first Easter morning was not immediately filled with celebration and songs and rejoicing. In fact, in those first early hours of the morning, that very first Easter day, absent were Easter lilies and ham dinners and Easter egg hunts, because there was not yet celebration happening. Instead, what was present was things like anxiety, uncertainty, and despair, not unlike what many of us have faced these past 55 weeks or so, with this global pandemic of COVID, anxiety, despair, and uncertainty. What Easter is, is Jesus being raised back to life from the dead. And with them, hope rises for individuals like you. Hope rises for the world, and hope rises for eternity. I hope you noticed in the passage that was read earlier, Matthew chapter 28, the note of fear. In fact, three or four different times fear is mentioned in that passage. The uncertainty about what what was happening, what was transpiring, and an uncertainty about what it all meant. Even though Jesus had told the disciples that he would be arrested, maltreated, and executed, but he would rise again. And somehow, that message did not settle onto their thinking. And they were not expecting his resurrection from the dead. You see, responses like fear and uncertainty, they fill uh, this story in every gospel passage. It describes similar responses in those early hours of that first Easter morning. Things like fear and confusion and doubt. What is happening in this moment? We know Jesus died. We know that he was placed in this tomb with a large stone rolled over the, the entrance of it, sealed away his dead body lying there. And now you're telling me, as the angel comes to report, you're telling me that he is dead, or he is risen, not dead, but risen from the dead? There's fear. In fact, in John's Gospel, it says uh, on the evening of the first day of the week, that would be that Easter Sunday night, when the disciples were all together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. You see what's happening? The, these followers of Jesus, they, they were cowering in fear. Probably you and I would have been doing very much the same thing. Their leader had been executed. And might they be next on the list? And so they're standing behind closed doors, locked doors, in secret, in hiding, uncertain, and cowering in fear because of unknowing what was to happen next. Confusion. Confusion surrounded them in John's Gospel as well. You remember Mary is one described as going to the tomb of Jesus. And as she sits there and she realizes the tomb is empty and Jesus is gone, she is asked, she says, she's asked, woman, why are you crying? And this is her response. They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. You hear the confusion? This is not what they were expecting. In fact, this was worse than what they could have expected. His body had been taken, and desperation ensues. And we also see a, a note of doubt. In fact, doubt permeates this whole, uh, this whole scene of what's happening on that resurrection day. And that, that builds my confidence. 
confidence at least, knowing that these were not some simpleton kind of people. They were not just eager to believe anything somebody would tell them or to buy into some sort of snake oil salesman rhetoric without really trusting, in fact, doubt in this moment actually supports and builds up my faith because I trust that those who doubted, doubted no more. And those who encountered the risen Jesus, their lives were so utterly transformed because of seeing the risen Christ that it made all the difference in their personal life, but also in the rest of their life and the calling and work and activity that they did in serving the Lord through them uh, as they would respond to him. In fact, Matthew chapter 28, it says that uh, then the 11 disciples, remember Jesus told uh, the, the women, he says, go and tell the disciples to meet me on the Galilean hillside. And when he does, he meets them there. And it says, when the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Likely, some of you watching today would have been among the doubters. That would have been a natural response for a curious mind, for someone who needed to understand better what was happening. But over and over throughout these accounts, you'll find uh, moments of doubting about what is happening. And it could be real that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And over and over, Jesus encounters those doubts. He reassures and he puts those doubts to rest. It has continued uh, appearing to them and spending time with them. You see, these questions are part of the journey with God. These questions linger at times. Questions of, of fear and anxiety and anger about being uncertain what God is doing in the midst of a situation. And especially when there are moments when it seems God is delaying a response. He certainly does not always work according to my timetable. I don't know about yours. Has there ever been something in your life where you, you wondered about what God was doing and when he was going to do something about it? I love the story shared in Tattoos of the Heart, a story by Gregory Boyd, a, a Catholic priest with a ministry in Los Angeles among uh, uh, gang-banging communities and the barrios there. And uh, he tells one story about a man named Lincho. Lincho grew up in, in these really hard neighborhoods and where almost always the one of the only outlets or at least places of, of, of bonding with others is to be part of a, a gang life. And as he encounters that, he, he gets involved with all sorts of criminal activity, and, and he's described as a man who has uh, tattoo sleeves from his wrist all the way up, all across his body. He went so far as to taking and having etched devil horns implanted on his forehead, and uh, he gets put into, spends time in, in jail, and, and he makes it, he's full of despair because he has no idea if he has a future to come to, and as this ministry engages him and, and loves him and begins to uh, help point him to Jesus, it describes how he goes and gets his first job, and uh, he has his first shift at his job, and it's the first measure of hope in his life in a lot of years, after so much despair and uncertainty and anger and fear and confusion about his life. And as he gets on the bus after his first shift of his first job, after being released from jail, and he is so excited about the newfound hope in his life, after all of this uncertainty that has been in his background and past, he just sits and begins to talk to perfect strangers 
with his enthusiasm about this new job that he has. Can you imagine sitting on the bus and talking uh, to, to such a person and not, not knowing uh, if this is a safe conversation or not? But Lincho becomes a, a picture of what God can do in a life when he steps into the midst of fear and anxiety and despair and uh, where, where everything about future dreams has come to ash and he can restore and renew hope. And that's what uh, this Easter is all about. When Jesus rises, you see hope also rises. Because Jesus has been raised from the dead, hope also is raised up in your life as you follow him. Because Jesus rises up, he also shows up. You see, Easter is about Jesus rising from the dead, but it's also about Jesus showing up on the scene. You see, Jesus, the Easter story is not just some magnificent, heavenly reality that's distant and far away. That's some uh, magnificent theophany of what God is doing, but it's inaccessible. It's not just about Jesus rising from the dead and it's such a distant reality, but as he rises and because he rises, he then also shows up on the scene over and over again. The Bible talks about how Jesus appears to the disciples, how he comes and spends time with them, talking with them, uh, enjoying their company again, serving with them, eating with them, I'm sure laughing with them and telling them what it was like. You see, Jesus rises up on Easter, but he also shows up on the scene. He shows up. He shows up on that Galilean hillside with the eleven. He shows up inside the locked room where the disciples were hiding out in fear. He shows up at the graveside and with Mary full of tears streaming down her eyes, so confused about where Jesus' body is, wondering and assuming somebody had taken it. And in the midst of her despair, in the midst of her tears, he simply says her name, Mary. And she didn't previously recognize him. And hearing her name and through her flood of tears, she turns full face toward him. And she says, Jesus. And her life has changed. Hope is restored and reborn in her life. Because Jesus rises, you see, hope also rises. And everything changes. I love how John's Gospel talks about the Jesus rising up and also showing up in the life of Thomas. The, the first moment encounter when Jesus shows up in the room with the disciples. You know who was not there? Thomas. Poor Thomas. Thomas is the one who gets all the beef and, and all of our criticism because of his doubts. But you know what? At least Thomas was authentic in his searching and authentic in his questioning. And he didn't just merely voice a belief that wasn't true in his heart. And he was not there the first time Jesus shows up. And I love the fact that God had, had mercy and consideration for Thomas. And about a week later, Jesus comes and shows up among them again. And he walks up to Thomas. And he says, Thomas, why don't you touch the wounds in my hands? Touch the, the wound where the, 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 the uh, spear pierced my side. And I just love the tenderness of that moment. And how Thomas' life was changed. I love how Peter, Peter of course, uh, is one of the strongest, most vocal disciples in those three years of their ministry. And Peter, we know, is the one who got out of the boat and walked on water. The only one. But Peter is also the one who comes, sits, standing after Jesus is arrested. He stands in the courtyard outside of his uh, mock trial. 
and Peter, people began to recognize him and, and to uh, associate him with Jesus' followers. You remember the story three different times. Peter denies him. And now Peter, in these days since, has said he's been shouldering the, the burden of that, that sense of humiliation. He's been shrouded in shame out of those decisions. And he's gone back to fishing, not knowing what is next. And I love how Jesus rises up from the grave, but he also shows up and, and he invites Peter and the others to an outdoor breakfast there on the beach. And in those conversations, Jesus gently, lovingly restores Peter into this relationship with him and prepares Peter. And Peter's the one in Acts chapter 1 and 2 who's the one out preaching boldly and strongly because his life was totally changed. Jesus rises up from the dead, but he also shows up in these lives among the larger groups, but also among the individuals. And why is that so important? Why does that strike me so much this week? It's because I'm reminded and I'm delighted in, in knowing the fact that God shows up in your life as well and mine. He knows what's happening in your life, and He knows the anxiety that you are struggling with, or the fear that, that you are surrounded with. He, he knows that which is tying you up and keeping you from living a life that is free and, and full. He knows your name. You are not out of His sight or out of His concern. You're not somewhere outside of His purview. He loves you. That's what Easter's about. He's risen from the dead so that He can show up in your life. And to call you by name, just like He did to Mary. And to call you back into a place of repentance, into a place of life, into a place of hope, into a place of joy. He knows your mind and your heart, and He wants to touch and transform both of those. We, so many of the church have been uh, enjoying uh, the time together these last few weeks of going through the study of Rooted. Uh, so grateful for the gift that Rooted is. Uh, began in a church in Kenya, Africa, has been brought to the U.S., and we are so blessed by it. And stories, part of it is sharing our life stories, but more than just what our life is about, but what God's life is in us. And one of the stories that has come out recently is one of the members of this group that's joining from Hong Kong, her name's Estella, and Estella had talked about how she struggled uh, in, in many years of her life with depression and, and other realities, that, uh, and how she got caught up with uh, moving away from a focus and a desire for God in her life, and more of a focus on uh, the things that she's taught would bring satisfaction and pleasure to her life, and, and she would focus on those things for so long, and she went through bouts of depression, and as she came to a place, an opportunity during COVID to uh, take early retirement. She wasn't sure she wanted to do that. And uh, she was so uh, confused and surrounded by a fear and uncertainty about her future. And she reluctantly took this early retirement from her job with an airline. And uh, that plunged her into another season of, uh, of despair and depression. And, and here's what, what she talks about in her her testimony. She says that she had lived life for so long trying to be comfortable, and she never thought that she should be giving thanks to God for her ability to have an income and to have a, a job like she had, to thank God for his protection in her life and his provision in her life. And in the midst of her depression, when she was feeling sad and hopeless, 
She said that God, His Word came to her heart, and, and he, he reminded her of Psalm 56, where it says, You keep track of all of my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. And she goes on to talk about how encouraged and how strengthened she was because of God's Word to her. And how God in that moment was helping her know that in place of all of the struggles of her life, the risen Jesus could bring risen hope and new hope into her life. You see, Jesus rising for the world, Jesus rising for the world's sake, is also hope rising for your sake. Jesus is rising for the world, is hope rising for you. Jesus and his resurrection, it, it shapes then how you view your life. When you live your life from the vantage point of the resurrection of Jesus, when, when you look out at the world, standing from the view that Jesus has truly been risen from the dead, it, it shapes the way you approach life. It shapes the way you approach the difficulties of this world. Esau Macaulay who got his PhD from St. Andrews and is an Anglican priest. He currently teaches at Wheaton College. He, uh, on a podcast recently, I heard him talking about hope. And this is what he says about hope and how our view of the resurrection shapes the way we approach the challenging moments of life. Here's what he says. He says, hope is fostered by asking the logical questions in the right order. Hope is fostered by asking the logical questions in the right order. In other words, if we get the order of these logical questions out of sequence, it skews the way we view the world, but if we order them rightly, then it changes everything. If I begin, he says, if I begin by asking, what is happening around me? Things are so terrible. If that's my starting point, he says, I might come to the conclusion that there is no hope. You see what he's saying? If I look out at the world around me, if I look at the circumstances of my life, and that's my starting point, and I say, what in the world is going on? And that's my first question. Then it's not a far step to conclude that there's no hope in the world. But, Esau Macaulay says that if I begin with this statement, Jesus is risen. If I begin with this statement, Jesus is risen, and then ask the question about my circumstances, I will respond in the hope of the resurrection, not in my current circumstances. Does that make sense to you? It changes the way you look at your life because you know there is God is in the world, you know that God is in your life, and you know that no matter what is happening in your immediate circumstances, that God stands over and above and beyond that. And it's the one calling you forward and the one encircling you in your struggle and the one who wants to strengthen you, provide wisdom and understanding about what is happening. You see, Jesus rising for the world is a rising of new hope for you. As we conclude today, a couple of verses from the end of John's Gospel says this, that Jesus, after he had encountered Thomas, and met with him and let Thomas touch his wounds and says, Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, in John's Gospel. But these, the ones that John chose to write, that God wrote through John, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That is what our church is all about, is trying to live in the full life of Jesus, and then trying to invite as many people as we can into sharing that full life with us that Jesus offers. You see, this is the hope of Easter. The hope of Easter is new life. The hope of Easter is new life. When Peter has his first sermon after uh, Pentecost happens in Acts chapter 2, he preaches a sermon about Jesus' death and his resurrection from the dead, and people were cut so quick, they said, What shall we do? And Peter responds in Acts 2.38, Repent for the forgiveness of your sins, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. A friend of mine used to say that for a long time she understood as she was taught in, in church and Bible studies that God, God so loved the world that Jesus was sent into the world. And for so long she, she thought about the world and the world was loved by God and people were loved by God. But it wasn't until she became an adult that she began, God began to uh, help her understand that it wasn't just the world, but she too was loved by God, that she too was so loved that God sent Jesus to her and for her, that Jesus went to the cross for her out of love for her, that Jesus rose from the dead because of her so that he could deal with her sin and to promise that the opportunity for eternal life. And that is just what Jesus wants to tell you today, is that yes, he loves the whole world, and guess what? You, your name, you and your, your person, you are part of the world, you are part of the love of God. And he sent Jesus and he's given you Jesus so that uh, when you would look at the cross and understand who Jesus is and what he's done on the cross to forgive your sin. And he offers you that forgiveness. You are invited today to receive that forgiveness of Jesus. You are invited today to confess your sin to Jesus. You are invited today to receive the gift of Jesus. You're invited today to believe that Jesus died on the cross out of love for you and that he rose again in power because death could not hold him. In Matthew chapter 28, you might remember that opening scene that the, the, the women are going to the tomb and I love how it pictures it there because it talks about this earthquake and this angel had descended. He's in this blazing white clothing and I love his posture because did you, did you notice where he's sitting? He's sitting on top of the tombstone. This massive tombstone, which would have been rolled away, and he's sitting there. And I wonder if somehow that is a, a bit of a, a mocking of death. And I, I just picture him sitting there cross-legged and, uh, I don't know, filing his nails or something, just sitting there so relaxed because death has nothing on Jesus. And the angel sitting there in a posture of triumph and victory over death is a picture of Jesus conquering death. Because that is the last enemy of human life. And Jesus wants to usher us into eternal life. And he does it for those who confess their sin and receive his forgiveness and say, Jesus, I will follow you and none other. I will let you 
to be the centerpiece of my life, and I'll build my business life around you, Jesus. I'll build my working life around you. I'll prioritize every facet of my life. I will be a husband in the way you want me to be a husband, Jesus. I'll be a wife in the way I should be a wife, Jesus. I will be a parent to my children. I will grandparent my children in a way that honors you, Jesus. I will do everything of my life. I will be a friend to my friends in the way you want me, Jesus. Everything becomes oriented around the resurrection of Jesus. You see, Jesus rises from the dead. And therefore, hope, real hope, rises for your life. It's not just about uh, being uh, optimistic about life. But it's about giving God an opportunity in your life to love you, to forgive you, to restore you, and to give you a hope for your future. Living God, I pray this day that you would be just that for us. For those who hear my voice this moment, that you, God, would be the resurrected one in their life. That if anyone hearing my voice today has not understood your cross, has not given themselves into forgiveness, has not confessed their sin, that they would do that today. That they would even say in this moment, Jesus, I confess my sin to you. That which has separated me and kept me from understanding and knowing the hope of a future with you. God, I give that to you and I, I ask you for forgiveness that you would come and make my life new. And I believe today in the resurrection. I believe that you've been raised from the dead and you have promised something forever for me, with me, in your heaven as you would be working on that, preparing that, and preparing a place for me, God, today. I let you be the centerpiece of my life. You will be my Lord. You will be my leader. You will be the one that influences all of my life, my number one priority, and my number one joy and love. Maybe so this Easter. Thank you, God, for the resurrection of Jesus and all that it means for us this day and always. In his name we pray together.